Welcome to the Unbound Podcast with Liam Gray. Whether you are an insurtech enthusiast, traditional insurer, or just looking to understand how innovation will affect the insurance market, the Unbound Podcast is for you. From insurtech founders to leaders within some of the world's most forward-thinking insurers, each episode looks at the technologies and business models that are changing the future of insurance. Today I'm speaking with Steve from GenLife. GenLife is on a mission to transform the industry from one where we simply price insurance and pray that there are no claims, to an industry where we leverage real-time data to actually mitigate risk. The GenLife team has started with the life and health sector, where Steve sees some of the largest issues to address. But during our conversation, he highlights how AI can impact the wider insurance industry. Hi Steve, and welcome to the show. Great, uh, thanks for having me here. No, it's my pleasure. So we're going to talk about a number of things today, one of them being artificial intelligence. But as usual, before we jump into all of that, it will be really good to get a bit on your personal background and what sort of like brought you to this point. Sure. Um, well, I'm a, I'm a complex being and, uh, and that's always good for AI. Um, I started as a commercial pilot, which uh, enabled me to trust machines, and I, I think that uh, I've met quite a few AI folks now who miraculously all tend to have uh, some history of flying, so, uh, so that's kind of interesting. I moved from, uh, from flying into technology, uh, into software, then hardware, uh, running Dell Computers, uh, the product business in Asia Pacific, and then setting up the product development center uh, for Compaq. Then I moved into banking and started, I uh, did Citibank's first mobile payments patent and a few other things. Set up a consumer finance division for OCBC Bank, got to run a consumer bank in Japan for Shinsei Bank. Uh, then I did uh, another startup, which was my fifth, and then, uh, oh, sorry, my fourth back then. Then I uh, was chief innovation officer at DBS Bank. Uh, we were the first bank to start putting artificial intelligence into core banking and then uh, moved into AIA, where I ran the innovation group for, uh, for AIA. You know, when, uh, what I'd learned from DBS was that if you're going to transform into high-velocity data systems, as you do with, with uh, artificial intelligence, you really need to transform the core. You can't really apply high-velocity data systems to old COBOL mud. It just doesn't work. So what GenLife was about is really to look at how do you create that next generation core and actually re-architect entirely around artificial intelligence as a transformational technology. Uh, so we, we began that with uh, understanding core risk, uh, developing underwriting automation, then uh, claims automation, and now moving from just you know, improving STP rates, uh, where we're getting some of the leading figures in the industry for life and health, uh, and then, you know, next step for us is improving quality. And then the, the next stage of that is to, to move out and to really uh, understand uh, how you can change, fundamentally change underwriting around new data sources, you know, genomics, robotics, diagnostics, et cetera, and change the value proposition of insurance. So our objective at GenLife is uh, actually to end up building autonomous insurance companies, uh, which we think is highly feasible, and, uh, and we're already proving it out in, in, the, in the first segments. Okay. And where, how did you choose where within insurance you wanted to start with that? Because the applications of artificial intelligence seem to be extremely broad. Yeah, well, first we chose life and health because there's a big problem to solve. Uh, many healthcare systems with aging populations are on the verge of bankruptcy. And if you want to change the healthcare system, you have to transform its financial system and its financial systems insurance. 
Then within insurance, we, you know, if you look at, we saw the same in fintech. A lot of players try and do transformational change, nice screens, et cetera. But it's kind of lipstick on the pig unless you, you really change the, the core piece that drives the industry. Um, so in the same way that we saw that happening in banking, um, we're, we're doing the same and starting with, with core risk in insurance, so underwriting and claims automation, and then moving intelligence from the back to the front out to the customer which we think has the uh, opportunity to greatly simplify how insurance is, is purchased and, and used. Okay. Within the industry as a whole, are you seeing that there's a lot of other propositions that are using artificial intelligence in this sort of way? And generally, where are you seeing artificial intelligence make the biggest impact in insurance? Yeah, we're, we're seeing artificial intelligence as, a, as an interest area for sure and a focus area for many startups. You know, you take, uh, take companies like Lemonade that apply 19 algorithms uh, to approve a claim in three seconds. I think the difference for us is if you take those 19 algorithms and approve claims and your loss rates are higher than your revenues, then that doesn't really prove the value of artificial intelligence. What we've done is, is taken that back on primary data sets and work to actually improve what's possible within the existing learning and framework and risk appetite of, of the existing insurers. Um, so we've taken a, a, a inside-out approach versus an outside-in approach, uh, and I think that that's starting to prove out as being quite uh, quite interesting and quite valuable. How important do you feel this piece of technology is in sort of taking us from an industry that is quite reactive in the sense that we're providing payouts um, for if a risk does occur, to moving to a position where we can really reduce the risk of that well risk occurring. Look, I, I think it's the most transformational area in insurance. If you'd like to think of the, the current model of insurance, it's price and pay. So, you know, so you price something and then you pray um, for the outcome that, you, that it lies within your risk appetite. Uh, and then, of course, you pay when things go wrong. And I think that that three-step process doesn't make any sense in the modern world where you can be connected to customers. You know, what we do in banking when we have risk is we actively, you know, mitigate and hedge that risk. That's not how insurance operates. It truly is just price and prey. So we're in the process of looking at how you change and that architecture and how you start leveraging real-time information because very simply risk is as dynamic as you are. And we think that the insurance industry in the same way that, that Spotify has disrupted the, the album industry for music, we, we think insurance must go the same way. You know, it has to be personal, it has to be dynamic, and it has to be intelligent. Okay. And sort of in practice, how will that look in your mind? How, how will you actually reduce that risk? How can we actually prevent it from happening? Yeah, sure. I, I think one interesting use case, and I was shocked coming from banking, about one in eight women uh, have the risk of breast cancer. So if you have a, a mother or a sister, it's certainly something that could uh, concern you. And I think I covered off the whole planet with, with that equation. So if you look at that now, if you look at traditional insurance, they'll look at mammograms and they'll look back in history and say, well, mammograms are going to discover that you have cancer in about stage four, stage five, and we're going to price for that risk, one in eight women. And we understand that if you, you have uh, discovered in, in early stage five, you know, uh, early to late stage five, that your mortality rate is 74%. So if you look backwards, that's, a, that's an incredibly uh, frightening uh, equation. If you look forwards, however, you, you're left with a completely different picture. There's uh, very low cost sensor technology from companies like Circadia 
is able to uh, determine when breast cancer becomes active at stage zero, stage one. If you take action at that point, it does two core things which is valuable to insurance. Uh, the first is that it changes mortality. It drops the mortality rate from 74% to 2%. Uh, so that's valuable from a life insurance company standpoint that now you have a lever over mortality so you can actually change mortality outcomes. I think that's a, a phenomenal development. Uh, the second thing that's really important is that if you treat early, your claims cost has the potential to reduce by about five, six. Uh, and then the third factor, which is not a, an insurance company factor, but it is and it isn't, is that the customer simply has a much better value proposition. I mean, they're, you know, the average customer actually wants to stay well and wants to stay healthy and, and doesn't really want to die. Uh, so now you're just simply providing a better product if you're starting to you know, maintain that connection with the, uh, with the customer and look at how instead of just you know, price and prey, now you're connected and you're actually price and prevent. I think that that's a, a, that is the future model of life and health insurance. Um, to, to go with an adequate model uh, just is, uh, doesn't or won't make any sense within the next few years. And you're not only seeing this with breast cancer, you're seeing diagnostics capabilities coming out for almost every type of cancer that's, that's starting to get to price points that make it really interesting because many of these technologies are on, uh, on technolo uh, technology cost curves, which means they get better, faster, cheaper every year. So you're starting to see the potential to invert the healthcare system, which I think is a, a, phenomenal, uh, a phenomenal opportunity and something that we want to drive from an insurance standpoint. Okay. And I mean, that is a message that resonates with everyone, because as you said, everyone has a sister or a mother. And I, 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 sure. <laughs> and I can imagine there's so many other use cases that have a similarly huge impact as well. My question um, for that is the impacts are clear, the benefits are clear. Are there any barriers to actually making this a reality? Is it as easy as just, okay, we can just develop these algorithms and we're there, or are there more barriers in the way? Look, there are, there are always barriers to adoption. Generally, you see the industry adoption curves take about 12 years. If you look at, uh, you know, uh, what, you know, when the agency was highly valued in travel industry, you know, agents still exist, but they play a very specific role now, and people are very comfortable booking online. You saw that with the purchase of PCs, you know, Used to be that uh, in, in Asia we used the word gonshi. Relationships are very important, and we kind of worked out that you know relationships are very important if the price is right. Um, if you start simplifying an industry and actually educating the customer uh, and using technology in a way that it's meant to, you know, used for good rather than evil, then you know those transformations start seeing much better value, much better control moving into the customer's hands. You know, I think there used to be a saying in banking that money is made in the dark. And that's simply not true. If you actually look at things like game theory, national equilibrium, et cetera, when you actually optimize value, you can make a, a lot more money by actually acting in the best interests of the customer and, and optimizing your own economics through technology. I think there's some tremendous opportunities. Um, they are also barriers. Uh, if you look at, uh, you know, I think uh, in uh, 2016, the AMA was out there saying that a lot of this digital health stuff was snake oil. And, you know, a year later, you know, a leading surgeon diagnosing his own uh, own cancer um, through a, a digital health app uh, and scanner. So, you know, this empowerment of the consumer through through technology and and you know, in, that's what technology companies do: better, faster, cheaper every year. It's how we got mobile phones from being an exclusive product owned by the rich to now being you know owned by pretty much everyone on the planet. You know, and we want to make insurance just as accessible. 
you know, in healthcare, just as accessible. And the way to do that is to start looking at how you use technology in the right way. So, you know, building a, an insurance company around artificial intelligence enables you to process this capability, you know, where you have three exponential curves colliding, you know, uh, Metcalf's law and what's happening with diagnostics, genomics, robotics, et cetera, and all those data sources and sensors, um, that's exploding at an exponential rate. It's impossible for human beings to assimilate that. You, you must use AI. Your own knowledge base, you know, your existing data sets to put those to use and transform that learning from those new data sets into knowledge, which are your own. That's Kreider's law, which is an exponential curve. And of course, we're familiar with Moore's law, uh, which is the, the law of processing power doubling every 18 months for the same cost. Um, you know, artificial intelligence sits at the confluence of Moore's law, Kreider's law, and Metcalfe's law. You know, those three laws is, is what's driving this massive transformation at speeds we couldn't comprehend. It's what enabled genomics to move from, you know, costing 100 million US to sequence a single genome in 2001 to sub 500 last year, and it's forecast by the mid-20s to get down to just a few pennies or less than the cost of flushing a toilet. So if you look forward, you know, there's an amazing world of possibility, and, and insurance is going to become highly personal, and it's going to become about mitigation, not protection. Okay. Going forward, do you feel we're going to be seeing it as insurance anymore? Is that an insurance purchase when you're reducing your risk and before you even have to buy an insurance policy? Look, the, the nature of insurance, insurance is going to remain necessary, but it's going to transform in what it does. I mean, if you have a look at any business in the last uh, 10 to 15 years, they've really started to evolve from isolated standalone companies into ecosystems, you know, from Amazon, retail, you know, I mean, there's countless examples. Uh, and that's going to happen to insurance for sure. So if we start looking at those ecosystem effects and we work out how to optimize those, um, then that's to the benefit of the customer. So insurance is going to personalize. It's, it's no longer going to be opaque. You know, I, I find insurance as, a, as quite an interesting product. No one quite understands what they buy. No one quite understands what they can claim for. And people are, are scared to actually use the product they're purchased in case of that that's used against them from a, an inference standpoint uh, and increasing pricing. You know, that's got to change. Insurance has to become, you know, something that's no longer opaque. It's transparent and the customer has to be in control of their data. Uh, and you have to use that data for good and create a value proposition that customers will happily share that data. When you look at uh, genomics, um, genomics is starting to turn many unknown unknowns into known unknowns. You know what you can get, but not when or if. Um, so the role, of trans you know, the role of transformation in insurance is huge. Uh, another example in car uh, insurance. You know, it's, you know, if you look at what's happening with autonomous driving, uh, you know, car insurance is going to transform from, you know, paying a million accidents one at a time to a million accidents at once, which means the industry transforms from insurance as we know it today to cyber risk, right? And that's a completely different competence um, and a completely different ecosystem and completely different tool sets for understanding risk. So risk is something that generally doesn't disappear, it transforms. Uh, and I think we'll start seeing the same things evolving in life, health, and almost every facet of insurance. And sort of picking up on one thing that you mentioned there, as we introduce more technology to this industry in general, we do increase the cyber risk um, significantly. Do you see any other dangers of um, becoming an AI-driven industry? I, I think every generation of technology can be used for good or evil. Um, you know, and I think AI present, presents both an opportunity and a, and a threat. 
you know, so I, I think there are some phenomenal uses of AI. Um, we're starting to see it curing cancer in, in many different areas. We're seeing, you know, applications that we thought were sci-fi just a few years ago. Uh, so the, the application for good within our industry is, is phenomenal, and, and we focus on that. The risk from from uh, from cyber is can be mitigated. You know, there are a lot of people who are using AI now to work out how to mitigate those risks as well. But as you move into uh, a more technical layer in some of this, we have a, a responsibility, I think, uh, you know, right down to a hardware level. I used to sit on Intel's uh, customer and corporate advisory boards um, to how you how you start designing technology around security. And that's why it really requires an entirely different main, uh, you know, a mindset to what you have today that's operating within insurance companies. Technology is not just a, a backroom competence run by a few. You know, we're, we're starting to move from the age where, you know, you have proprietary technologies as an island to ecosystem technologies on the cloud and software as a service. Uh, and the next generation of that is transforming from software as a service to software is the service, um, you know, as you move to autonomous companies. So, you know, how we design those has to be a bottom-up. You, you can't just keep applying Band-Aids over an open wound. Uh, you can't take high-velocity data systems and plug them into COBOL and, and expect them to have the same levels of security as you do for some of the modern technologies as well. So, you know, it's a, it's a very dynamic game and it requires a very different sort of thinking. Okay. And finally, how far off are we from artificial intelligence being the norm in the insurance industry? Or do you think it will never be the case? Oh, look, I think it's absolutely going to be the case. And I, I know that many, many insurance, if you haven't got AI as, as part of your core strategy, then you're, you're just not going to be in the game in a few years. You know, you, if you look at the commoditization effect of that, you know, if you have a look at uh, diagnosis, right? Today in insurance, you ask people to send you a receipt for a claim. I mean, that's transforming rapidly, right? When you can do second opinion on a medical x-ray for a dollar now, you know, that used to cost, you know, hundreds of dollars just a couple of years ago. You're seeing massive cost swings. So if you're, if you're an antiquated insurer, you're just going to be priced out of the market. Um, you're not going to be able to, to survive going forward. You really have to understand how technology impacts what you do. And we've, we've seen that. That's why the technology companies are eating industry after industry. You know, it took uh, Alibaba, for instance, you know, 10 months with no prior experience to become the fourth largest money markets funds manager in the world. You know, and now Ali, Tencent, everyone's announcing their intention to move into insurance. You know, what insurance companies have today is an incredible asset in their experience and their risk management, but unless they're putting it to work, and unless they understand the data sets that they have, and unless they start to drive returns using AI for those data sets, they're going to be left behind. Uh, as an example, you know, if you call center data today, you can actually run algorithms to understand whether your customers are manic depressive schizophrenic diabetic or have a heart condition. You know, through any, any imaging today, you can understand a whole range of diseases from heart disease through to uh, microexpressions to understanding microstrokes. Um, you look at, uh, at your history online can determine Alzheimer's, suicide risk, all those sorts of things. Now, you can't look at that from an insurance industry standpoint and A, not make use of that data, but if you do make use of that data, you should be making use of it to actually drive better outcomes for your customers, not to, not to misprice them. So I think, you know, as a, we have an enormous opportunity for insurance, but, you know, uh, staying frozen is, is, you know, is actually going backwards in this world. You, you really need to move forward and move forward fast. So just, just, just on the final note, if people want to find out more about Gen Life or get in contact with you, Steve, how would they do that? 
Uh, quite simple. Uh, my email is steve at gen.life, uh, or they, they can happily contact you and you can connect us, or they can reach me at uh, country code 852-5689-5806. Fantastic. It has been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today, Steve. Thank you very much. No, thanks. I uh, appreciate the, uh, the opportunity to speak and uh, look forward to the next. Thanks for listening. I hope that's helped to really demystify artificial intelligence and give you a better understanding of the impact AI can have on our lives. There's a massive opportunity to really change the insurance industry, given the wealth of data at our fingertips and the technology available. However, the real question is, which insurers will be first to embrace this change? And who will be left behind? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and leave comments. We really want to reach as many people as possible with what's happening in the insurance industry, and there are no greater advocates than you. Our listeners.